Welcome to Uphill Conversations. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Pecoraro. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Pecoraro, and I am glad you can join me as you are living your life and heading toward your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So man, I've been having such a good time. Great interviews, meeting some wonderful people, some people um, very, very popular. You may have heard of them. Others, you have no idea who they are until you've heard them on the show. But wow, they have so much great, great information, great story, uh, lots of wonderful information that um, is helpful to us all. So it's been great. And I, I'm looking forward to the ones I have coming up next. Um, just really excited about it. I want to thank you for your support for your listening, for your tuning in. Thank you for the downloads. I'm very like surprised by the downloads. Um, hey, uh, it's just surprise. This is wonderful. It's going great. I would appreciate it if you uh, stepped on over to iTunes, log into your account and rate the show. Give me a review. Um, those help. Help me to see where the show's going, positive or negative. I'm all about continuous improvement. Also, I'm going to be doing some free coaching days where I will answer questions that people submit and share, um, just whatever it's about. If it's about making transitions, challenges, um, some of your successes, uh, how to improve things, um, shoot me a line. Let me add some fuel to your day as a good ride-along partner as you are heading toward your emerging future. Send that to connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at uphillconversations.co, not .com. Today, my guest is Deb Ingino. She is a founding partner with the John Maxwell team, as well as CEO of Strength Leader Development. And she has a lot of wonderful things to share. I mean, she really puts it out there. Um, this is a person that has transitioned from big corporation work um, and down to just a self-employed um, uh, builder of people, really just adding value to individuals. And she's also a coach who now is training coaches to coach people and help them to be better. So without any further delay, let me turn this conversation over to Deb and Gino, a wonderful leader and friend. Well, hello, Deb. How are you doing today? Doing awesome, Tim. Thank you, sir. How's life down south? Yeah, uh, it's going well. It is the the wonderful South Carolina weather. The good thing is it's minus the humidity, which I have a hard time with, but it's it's wonderful here. But thank you for asking. And your what's your weather like? You're up uh, in my old stomping ground. I am up in New York. Yes, today after a week of pouring rain, cloudy weather, and I was fairly certain that when I woke up one morning it was actually October and not May. <laughs> actually, today is gorgeous. The sun is just shining through the trees. The flowers are budding. The temperature is a gorgeous 68 degrees. And I am 
longing for this to continue. Well, I hope you get to keep that weather. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Thank you, me too. Like, that sounds like San Diego weather almost. <laughs> I know, I know. It's perfect, absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, Deb, one of the main reasons I wanted to interview is, first of all, I think you know um, we both share a, uh, a wonderful uh, mentor and uh, life resource and inspiration, and that is our friend, Mr. John Maxwell. And you are a founding partner with John Maxwell and his group and certified coach, speaker, and trainer as well. And I'm just so excited from the videos I've watched of you and some of the calls I had the privilege of being on where you shared. And I just know that you're going to add tremendous value to my life as well as to those who listen. So thank you so much and for your contribution. And would you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, and as well as maybe a little bit about how you became this founding partner. Oh, sure. Well, first of all, Tim, I love what you're doing at this podcast. And, uh, you know, uphill conversations are the conversations that we grow from, right? So I, right. I hope for those people that are listening to this podcast that everything that Tim has been doing, you see the tremendous value it's adding to you. Now, it's interesting how John and I crossed paths. Um, Probably close to 30 years ago now, my husband and I were at a business workshop together, and John was one of the speakers. And when he finished speaking, I ran to the, to the back of the room to buy his book at that point because I so understood the concepts he was talking about at the, at, you know, in that speech. And, and I felt, God, this is a guy I could learn through. And I went home and devoured that book and went on for decades to read his books at the old days, watching a, you know, a VHS tape or listening to a cassette. I'm that old. At least it wasn't real to real. And then uh, (laughs) eventually MP3s and DVDs and eBooks. And what's very, what's really was relevant for me was this is a guy who, while he is a global leadership expert, been serving organizations like Microsoft, the NFL, the United Nations, just doing an amazing amount of influence leaders everywhere. He taught and used concepts that were very simple to understand, embrace, and execute. And for me, that was key. Mm. And as I was, you know, learning more and more about John, um, I found out through an email that he was launching his team of coaches, speakers, and trainers, and was thrilled to pieces to join them straight away, so became a founding partner with that team back in March 2011. Wow. And I'd love to share, if I could, Tim, just for a moment, that decision. You know, sometimes in life we make these seemingly small decisions, Mm -hmm. and they seem inconsequential. And I realize now, of course, it's always easy to Monday morning quarterback, right? Right, (laughs) I realize now, five years later, that that one decision actually opened up the door to a multitude of opportunities that up until that point had really been closed for me in very many ways. And some of them I had closed myself. Wow. Wow. So you were on a search, Deb. Is it, it, would, I, would I be right in, in thinking so that when you went there, you were basically searching as well. Even you said 30 years ago, you met him, got a book. And yeah, yeah. And you were, yeah, you, know, you were searching, was it for leadership? And was it for like, would someone help me learn to lead? Or was I need leadership? What, what got you to pursue that? I mean, 30 years ago. Yeah, such a great question. You know, it's, it's funny. 
30 years ago when I first heard him, he just happened to have been on the, you know, on the agenda for that business event. So that was the reason I heard him. But as I was building my corporate career, I I worked for a company here in New York uh, for multiple companies. One of them I worked for for 23 years. That was the company I left to start this business. And they were a company, when I first started with them, they were about $50 million in business. When I left them, they were over $550 million in, in revenue. It was a global company by that point. And my job as the vice president of global brand operations was to fly all around the world and create these startup teams for them in all these different countries that today serve customers in like, I think it's now 100 countries. It's just mind-blowing. But what was very interesting, too, was the part of the job I loved the most wasn't deploying operational resources, making sure we had a computer system and, you know, a network put in place or that all of our fiscal regulations were lined up with each of the countries, whether it's, and if it's the European Union or, (laughs) I had no desire to do any of that. I did it, I did very well, and I worked with an amazing team of pros that just were expert at what they did, but Mm -hmm. the part of the job I loved the most was finding people who on paper didn't look like they fit, but had exactly the right strengths to do the job well. And I worked with them and mentored them into becoming stronger leaders. And that was the part of the job I got to do the least amount of, but that I loved the most. So my corporate career, yeah, was mostly in that arena. And so obviously that just dovetailed right into, as you continue to engage more of Um, more leadership development materials, things like that. And then when the opportunity came in March of 2011 uh, to, to become a founding partner in the, uh, of the John Maxwell team. So that was a perfect fit for you. Would you say? It was, it really was. And so it spoke right to your passion, uh, which obviously that's one of my favorite things to ask people is, you know, how did you find this passion, passion, which obviously yours came through, doing the thing you love the most, but wasn't really, was that, that wasn't your primary thing. Was it just to mentor these folks? It was not. Yeah. It was a small, very small part of my job. Right. And so you're kind of, that's one of the things I lo- and I knew I would like this about you as I, I have a t-shirt literally. Remember the old cartoon underdog? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. It was a cartoon. I, I have a t-shirt <laughs> I still wear today. <laughs> and oh, it's got so underdog cool. on him flying, and mm-hmm. I love the underdog. Yes, exactly. Because in reality, we're all an underdog in some way, shape, or form. So in this corporate world you were in, and you were going all over the place, and then you started mentoring folks and developing them. When did you realize that, hey, you know what? I want to shift from serving just corporate Mm-hmm. and building business, and I want to build people. Because it is my belief that if you want to see something exponentially grow, build the person, not the business. Build the person yes. first. You want a better marriage? Yeah. Build the person. You want better children? Build the person. You know, or like a better relationship with your kids? Build the person. So when did you, like, when did it click for you to say, this, not that? Great. Oh, such a good question. So it was back in 2007. I was turning 50 at that point. And I sort of, you know, had this midlife crisis happen, not in a negative way, actually in a very positive way, where I suddenly realized that I needed to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. 
<laughs> going, okay, well, I'm 50. I've had this great corporate career so far. I can right. continue to do this forever. But do I really want to do that? And for my birthday that year, I found out my husband and daughter wanted to have a surprise party for me. And I said, no, no, listen, you're going to have a party. If you're going to make me suffer through a party, let me at least plan it. And I planned a party, and I used a theme called Inspired Wishes. And everybody who got the invitation to the party was told they were not allowed to bring a gift, but what they had to do was from the time they got the invitation to the time of the event, they had to do a good deed for somebody who could never repay them, and they had to come back to my party that night to share the good deed. So let's all hear what each other did to add value to other people. Wow. And as I sat there listening to those stories with tears streaming down my face, these are the best gifts I ever got, just listening to all those stories, I realized that what I had spent my career doing, which was really important work, you know, I had accomplished quite a bit and was blessed beyond belief, but I realized that that chapter was starting to close in my life and my next chapter had everything to do with other people and had everything to do with how do I help other people become their best? Because people that came to my party that night told me it was the best party they were ever, ever at and had very little to do with the entertainment because there wasn't any. And it didn't have anything to do with the food and the booze because there was some, but it wasn't that good. But it had everything to do with the fact that they added value to someone else and then they shared their story and how it affected them and the person that they that they, uh, you know, paid it forward to. And I realized, Tim, at that moment, that was a turning point for me mentally. Then I had to say to myself, okay, now how do I do this? How do I, you know, my husband and I have a beautiful home out on Long Island. How do we continue to pay the bills if I give up a right. very uh, high compensation, <laughs> you know, right. to do something different? So it took me a couple of years to really put together some ideas and thoughts on how to do that. And, mm -hmm. and that really, that time period, so from 2007 to about 2010, was when I was learning more about what did I enjoy mostly. And it was certainly about leadership and helping people to dig deep and to use the strengths that they already had. Wow. Wow. So in the, instead of them trying to, you know, looking around about them, trying to find something to say, let me add to my arsenal, instead that you already have one, develop it. Is that... Exactly. Oh, you nailed it. Absolutely. I like the way you put that. That is so perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, let me ask you, in that shift period... Um, because you know, I'm one of those people and I, in every podcast, pretty much you'll find, I say these things and I, I just can't help it. Oh, if I'm standing in front of a crowd, it's the same thing. When I'm coaching a, a client, it's the same thing, but your current condition cannot match your emerging future. And so mm -hmm. you were, you were saying that looking at what you had, those things that you had and how do you maintain the beautiful home you have and how, you know, you're making this shift. And so you see the real thing that's inside of you, which was you really wanted to help, you know, people with their leadership and also to work, to strengthen what's in them or develop what's inside of them. Um, what obstacles did you face? You know, obviously financial things could be one, you know, what, yeah. what were the obstacles that, you know, you recognized there was a necessity of them because those obstacles helped you to grow. What oh. were some of the obstacles you faced? How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, we could do the extended version if we need to. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. We could. You know, here's the thing. It's, it's funny. The obstacles 
really, when I, back then, so when I'm in the thick of it, and I'm, okay, we've got to figure out the finances. we got to figure out, you know, what do we do, you know, if, God forbid, my husband loses his job? How do we have health care benefits? Um, what if this business isn't successful? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we could what if ourselves to death. And certainly, when the more time I spent in the what ifs, the less time I spent rolling forward. So, um, through really good coaching, it allowed me to gain a bigger perspective that, you know what, if I, if I tried starting this business and if it didn't work, I always had the option of going and getting another, you know, executive position. Right. I had the experience, so that could happen very easily, right? And even, even thinking in terms of healthcare benefits or there was always other options that were available. But what I find, you know, the real crux of it, the real obstacle, the only obstacle was the six inches between my ears. Wow. Because I would, I found myself spending a lot of time focusing in on the what ifs. And when I finally got real about, about the situation and realized that, man, I was, I was perfectly suited to do this despite all of the obstacles. And it was because there was a passion in my heart to do it. And that every history book, every successful entrepreneur or artist, every one of them had a passion that overcame obstacles. And why should I be any different? So when I made, when I started to make that mental shift in my mind, Tim, that's when I started to see those obstacles. It was almost like, you know, listen, I'm a woman of faith. It was kind of like Moses with the Red Sea. You yeah. know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, it parted. And I could wow. see that there was another side, and I just started walking out through it. Wow. So it, it sounds to me, if if I'm correct, uh, not to add to your story anyway, but you got rid of an obstacle by not even giving yourself an out, by literally saying, I could go back and get a corporate job. I could. Mm-hmm. So all the what if, so if this happens, I can do this. So you're playing ch- mental chess with yourself, basically. And mm-hmm. instead you said, no excuses, no alibis. I'm doing this. I mean, is that correct? Am I, am I yeah. getting the picture? Yeah. And the other thing I found was that, you know, I would read these stories about very successful entrepreneurs and, and people in the arts and education. And all of them had what I called, you know, the sob story. Oh, you know, I overcame this obstacle and this obstacle and this obstacle. And I kept thinking, I don't want a sob story. I just want to be able to just do it. Like, I, I don't necessarily want to have to have this horrible story that, you know, I stuck in my car and, you know, I, you know, I just didn't want to have to have that story. And right. as, as, I, as I was wrestling with my mind about that, I realized I already had a story. I grew up mm-hmm. in the Bronx. I'm the oldest of two kids. My parents slept in a pull-out sofa in the living room. We really didn't have much money. There were, you know, some Friday nights, if Dad didn't, didn't get paid enough money, you know, we were having, between the six of us at that point, um, you know, a bowl of rice with a can of, you know, salmon in it or tuna in it. That was it. You know, and I, hmm. and I realized, I'm like, you know, looking back, I'm like, you know what, I do have a sob story. Yay! So now, wow. let, me, let me say that that was my only part of my sob story for now, so I don't get hung up on all the obstacles I'm facing. Let me say, yeah, I've gone through some challenges in my life, and I'll still go through some challenges, but those challenges really help to stretch me into who I am today, and that allows me to serve people so much better. Like when I think about it, Tim, Mm -hmm. 
you know, the fact that I focus on people's strengths was actually born out of the fact that I built a very successful corporate career and I went to college for 45 minutes, literally 45 minutes. I think, I think you beat me by a couple minutes. <laughs> okay. So, so that, so to me, I was all about leveraging somebody's strengths because that's all I had. I didn't have a degree. Right. And when right. I would, when I would cultivate people for my leadership team, when I was in corporate, it was the same thing. I looked well beyond what their credentials said. And I mm. looked at who they were, their character, right. their ability to be coached, and then their wow. real core strengths and were they really suited for that job. Wow. And, and wow. that today is my, the best part of what I do in working with leaders and their teams is that I'm able to unearth what's been below the surface for so long. Hmm. So when you think about someone who, um, you know, I always see a person in my mind is there, you know, it's always another attempt. You know, it's like I see people, they go buy a new Bible and they think that's when their spiritual life's going to change. They, yeah, they, yeah. Turn, they listen to a new you know, CD or new music, or they get a new journal and that's going to do it. They buy another program that's going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. What have you found in the development of folks that are in their journey that this would be helpful for people who are looking, maybe they haven't discovered a lot of that passion yet. It hasn't clicked, which I'm going to save a question on that for a minute or further on here. But what, what would you say to them as far as that journey and how you help unlock people or help them to see it, what are things that they need to be aware of um, mm. in that in that place where they are to help them not be the one that says, "Well, here's my sob story," and you know, it's like they say, "Pain makes great art." Well, so does love. So Absolutely. does so does a, yes. so does vis, so does vision and aspiration. So how mm-hmm. can you get a person, what do you do to help people see that there's something better to look look at or something better to do or some something else to, to, to pursue or go after? How do you help people oh, get that out? That is such a good question. So I, I heard two questions. So first was the passion question. How do you really start to hone in on that piece? And yes. then how do you, how do you sort of move in that direction? Is that what I heard, Tim? Yes. So the passion piece, that, that's a very interesting thing because passion can show up in many different ways. So, you know, I could be watching, you know, a TV show with my husband and a Hallmark commercial can come on and, and I'll get teary-eyed. But meanwhile, people will tell you, I'm a person who doesn't cry. I'm a really tough New York chick, right? So passion comes through for me, for example. I noticed that passion came through for me both on the positive emotion of feeling love and joy and just tears of just happiness first and anger when things didn't go right, when I felt that people were selling themselves short and were really not connecting with another human being. They really were just missing the mark. So when I would see somebody hit it really well and just add value to somebody and connect with them and serve them in a great way, I, I was brought to tears of happiness. And when I saw it wasn't happening and somebody was taking advantage of someone or they were demeaning them and they were discounting what they had the ability to do, it riled up my anger, my passionate Mm. anger. So I started to look for themes. What were the things that either made me very, very happy or very, very angry? Mm. So that helped me to sort of start to zone in on, so what are the things I'm really passionate about? Why does that bring me to tears of joy? Why does that get me angry when I see that happen? Why do I feel that's not fair? 
Right. So that yeah. helped me to really start to zone in on passion. You know, what we were saying is it constantly got my attention. The wow. next thing, you know, how to make, how to sort of take that piece and, and make it a reality. I always suggest to folks, you know, you could do it the long drawn out way. I was not that patient. So that's why I engaged with a coach myself back in 2009, late 2009, mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to take the faster track. Right. I, wanted, I wanted to have an objective third party who didn't know me, who wasn't like a friend or a relative, who didn't want to offend me. I wanted somebody who would just tell me straight out, you know, Deb, I mean, here's what I'm hearing you say. If you keep saying this is what's important to you, why do you keep doing the other thing? Like I just needed somebody to help level set me and to hear through some of my ideas and some of my strategies to help me to see, are they a valid approach? Is this really the direction I want to move in? Am I willing to do the hard work to do that piece? And for me, Tim, I mean, I don't know. I I think you're a coach as well, right? So yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you know, so you know that process, right? So that process to me was precious time. And the money I invested in that coaching piece for me was so inconsequential to the earnings I've had since. I mean, the whole scheme of things is nothing, nothing. So that coaching for me helped me to get clarity and confidence both. Wow. Wow. And you know, with that clarity and confidence and, and I love everything you just said, cause I agree. Um, and I say this, one of the things my listeners know and they, they'll hear over and over is, you know, it, it, we've got to stop giving people answers to remember and let mm. them solve these problems. They have yeah. to learn to solve problems. And what that coaching that you went through, it, it appears to me that, and what I'm hearing, and it's obvious uh, with the results that you've had, you had to think into those. You had to go through your discovery, your awareness of it, and heighten your awareness of, of those things in your answer those questions for yourself and then make decisions on them. Um, oh, yeah. And, and that's what it, and that's what you said. You invested, and it's not a counselor. You know, a lot of people. Oh, no, no. And I'm, sure you've, I'm sure you've experienced that where people will, it's almost like they want counseling or they want you to tell them. And I'm thinking, stop outsourcing your thinking. Yes. Oh, I love that line. That's so true. You know, let's not outsource our thinking. And I guarantee you, if you were to start asking yourself better questions, deeper questions, and not give yourself outs in in avenues, um, uh, you know, detours and little smoke screens here and there for yourself, you Mm -hmm. would realize that once you get that, as you said, clarity, you actually will see the answers are typically right in front of you. They're right there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's what I love. You said clarity was was strong. And let me ask you, what did it do for your potential? Because I'm sure you have a very, uh, you believe in, in a person can maximize potential. They can push the limits on potential. What mm-hmm. did that clarity for you do with your belief about your potential? What happened? Well, it's funny. I was undervaluing my own potential. Because I was taking my, you know, don't forget I had been in corporate for so long, Tim. I was wearing the sort of the corporate uniform, both mentally Mm. and physically. So I was thinking in terms of what had been true before. And I was measuring my potential against that. And I Mm. realized that I was on a different field 
you know, I was totally in a different game. I needed to look at my potential through the new lens, mm. through the new uniform, and, and to think of it in terms of what am I willing to do? Because once you become an entrepreneur, as you well know, you, know, you can't really blame anybody else. <laughs> it's yeah. a you and you yeah. deal, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I can't say, well, you know, our board, oh, boy, that wasn't really a good strategic move that our board made. No, no, I am the board. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> so it, right. really be, you know, it really means that you have an opportunity to own your result. And that, to me, fueled me. Oh, that just poured so much more energy into me because it meant for the first time I really had my finger on the throttle the whole way through. Wow. Wow. And so as you were on your journey and had the clarity, you owned all, you owned these decisions, that meant you owned the outcomes too. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. The good ones and the bad ones. That's right. That's right. Yes. And and how? How did that help you with your journey and your understanding? I mean, did it lighten your load knowing that you're not dealing with everyone else? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question. I think a lot of it depends on how we're individually wired. So for, for someone like me, I tend to shoot much higher mm-hmm. today. I shoot much, much higher than, than seems reasonable and with full anticipation that it may happen today or it may happen in some point in the future. And it allows me to not be tied to, well, what would other people do? What would other people think? Yeah. How would another person approach this? And it allowed me to just free myself of thinking in terms of failure and the burden of failure. You know, it's funny. I got. Can I share a quick story with you? Sure. Uh, listen, you, you, we're, we, you and I are on go. I love it. Just keep going. <laughs> when, when <laughs> you're gonna listen, you're gonna have to come back. You're gonna definitely. We're gonna do another. One. You're. I'm. I'm holding you to this, and I won't edit this out either. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> well, you and I are gonna pleasure. do several more of these talks. But yes, It'd tell the story. <laughs> back in 2009, when I went for coaching, one of the exercises my coach had me do was to put down some ideas. Right. What are some of the ideas mm-hmm. you're thinking of, Deb? And it was a couple of years ago I pulled out that idea list. And what's very interesting to me is on that list, now this is back in 2009, the John Maxwell team wasn't even conceived at that point. Okay, right. it wasn't even a glint in John's eye yet. Right. I had on there to be associated with John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. I had on there to be a highly compensated speaker, coach, and teacher. I had things on there that today are reality, but back in 2009, it didn't even exist yet. So I love unearthing things like that that validate for me that oftentimes when we believe bigger of ourselves and we're patient and we're willing to just keep walking through the circumstances that life is throwing us, that when we look back, it could take a year or two, it could take 20, 30 years, it doesn't matter how long, we'll have seen it come through to fruition. That's so good. And I love it that you, you know, a lot of folks, I'm sure there's a lot of wreckage of pieces of paper with things that were written down, put into a dream box, stuffed in a drawer that is somehow in somebody's storage bin. Mm. And. I love what you just shared because you pulled it out. And what was nice is you saw the small wins, the small Mm -hmm. wins on your list of belief and potential. And your hope was not deferred. 
And that is just so powerful. And that was a part of your journey. And that is fuel. Would you agree? That was fuel for you to take another step to continue. Oh, absolutely. I was thinking to myself at that point, I should have put bigger things on that list. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Right, exactly. I was such a slacker. Isn't that am- it's amazing that it's it's kind of like that trip if you're going across country in an automobile it feels like it takes forever. But then if you start having conversation with folks and maybe you listen to some of your favorite music and you just enjoy the journey and your company and the people it's amazing how eventually you go wow, look how far we've gone. So it's yeah. like the wind the wind was pushing your sail once yeah. you started concerning yourself with being a part of navigation process. It's funny, my friend Dan Miller, he had had a quote in his newsletter that caught my eye, and I've heard him say this before, and I forget who the the author is of this line. It's, it's a, I don't remember who it is, but it, the line is, you could Google it, it's pray with your legs. That, wow. you yeah. know, we need to take the, the action, you know, praying is right. an important part of my life. I have a little bit of faith, but if I don't actually step out and start doing something, That's powerful. Not an active participant in my own future. Wow. And we don't ever want to say something like that. That's right. This is great. Let me ask you about momentum because this is, I mean, this is, this is very inspiring for me and I always look for things to um, continue to add to my life and, and I'm growing just from this conversation with you. So uh, this is wonderful. Um, I know it's difficult to create and, and to build momentum. And in your uh, pursuit toward what it is you desire, what you want to be more, do more, and have more, what what challenges did you face in in creating momentum? What were th- what were challenges that you had to just work with and deal with to make sure that you can get the momentum necessary? Mm, great question, because. You know, I am actually by nature an introvert. Okay. So when I was, you know, you know, talking to people about sales strategies and marketing strategies, they kept saying, you have to go to networking events. And I, I, I would shake my head thinking, I hate networking events. I'd rather just <laughs> be introduced to someone, yeah. <laughs> meet them for coffee, and have a conversation than to kind of go through, sometimes to me, what feels like almost like a used car salesperson dance. You know, and uh, so, so I re- I remember I was really there was a time back in this was 2013. Um, the the first quarter was really a great quarter for me, and then it was like as soon as April hit, it, I was like in a different country. I was in a barren wasteland. I couldn't. Wow. There was nothing. I I couldn't get in front of anybody. It was just horrible, wow. horrible. And I thought, what did I do to change that momentum? What, what shifted? Why did it stop? You know? And I went back. And this was such a good lesson for me. I went back and I looked at my calendar. And I looked back 30, 60, and 90 days. And I didn't see much in there in going to networking events or meetings or just events in general where I could meet other people. And then I said, okay, the first quarter was my most successful quarter now so far. Let me go back 30, 60, and 90 days back from there and see what was relevant. 
And, of course, lo and behold, there was a plethora of events that I went to. And things make things, and people, you know, introduce you to somebody else who recommends you to somebody else who, you know, shares your website with someone or gives somebody else your phone number. And that became a real awakening for me that I realized that I am the creator of my own momentum by virtue of the fact that even if I go to events and I am a natural introvert and I spend my time doing what any good person does, you know, we want to learn more about the other people that are there, not to sell anyone, but just to see how can I, you know, let me learn more about you. Who are you? Is there a way I can serve you with what you're trying to accomplish here? And, when, and I realized that the more I did that, the more of a momentum builder it was for me. So instead of me feeling that there was a lack of luck on my part, it had nothing to do with luck. It had everything to do with the activities that were you know, up to between 30 and 90 days before my business came to a grinding halt. I came to a grinding halt. I was actively serving my existing clients but I wasn't doing anything to really get myself out there to meet other people. That was a big, a big, a big lesson for me on momentum. Wow. So being an introvert is not a disqualifier. You know, it's not at all. We, we can survive those events. Yes. And then also the fact that, Hey, you know, this quarter looks great. This is looking bad. And again, going back and I like 30, 60, 90 looking and seeing that, Hey, over here, I wasn't doing it, and it's bad. Over here, I was doing it. And once again, just because you're an introvert, you go, but wait a second. If this is part of my uphill journey, and and I see this over here, I was happy. I had joy. I was seeing progress and momentum. I've got to get back involved with that. So it, once exactly. again, it's it's you putting your feet on the pedals and, <laughs> and just yeah. cranking away, it's funny, right? Tim, there was a, there was a time, you're absolutely right, there was a time I had bought a ticket for a networking event big, big trade show they were having, and they were having a special luncheon with guest speakers, and I woke up that day just feeling down, like, oh, I don't want to go, I don't, you know, uh, I don't just don't feel up to it, I don't feel like putting on, you know, a suit, I, I, I don't want to do this. And, you know, I don't know if it was God or just my conscious saying, they, and the words were so clear, it was, shut up, suit up, and show up. I like that. Shut up, suit up, like, and show up. <laughs> what? Shut up, suit up, and show up. So I was like, oh, for crying out loud. All right, fine. So I got dressed. I drive to the venue. Now I'm running a few minutes late. They're just about starting, and I'm now just pulling into the parking lot. And I'm driving around. I said, all right, listen, God, if I don't get a parking spot really close, I'm not staying. Because that I'm means I'm around. not supposed to be here. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't want to go to this stupid thing anyway. And there's a parking space literally two spots away from the front door. I'm like, oh, crud. All right, fine. I'll go in. I walk in. Now, the luncheon had already begun. The local congressman was already speaking, Peter King. And I'm looking around going, oh, great. Now there's no seats. Now there's no seats. I was trying to throw every excuse at myself not to be there. And one of the, you know, host of the reception, you know, waves me in. She brings me to a table right in the front. So I said, oh, great. So while I'm sitting there and I, you know, listen to the couple speakers speak and there was a lull in the speaking where we could eat and I turn around to the left of me is a guy who I had met 25 years earlier. 
he had a construction company, and the company, the corporate company I had worked for, he had done a construction project for. So I said, oh, my gosh, Jack. I said, it's Debbie Gino from Marshawn. Do you remember me? Like, oh, my gosh, Debbie, I can't believe it's you. And we started talking, and, you know, we used to with Marshawn. Oh, no, I left him. I started my own company. Here's what I do. Oh, that's terrific. I need to introduce you to, and he turns to his left, and there's this woman, Nancy, who's from a very large pharmaceutical company here in New York, who I had been trying to get to for more than a year. So my suit up, show up, and shut up message to me was such a strong one because a lot of times we sabotage our own success because things aren't flowing the way we want them to flow and we're kind of feeling a little crummy at the moment, a little cranky, and we just want it to be easy. But sometimes you just have to shoot up, shoot up, show up, shut up, and then get introduced to somebody who ended up hiring me. They ended up contracting with my company. I ended up doing an, a wonderful workshop. They flew in 100 of their scientists from all around the world for leadership development workshop. What do you think would have happened had you just ignored all of that? Well, I would have sat in my office, poured myself another cup of coffee, justified to myself how I'm just the best kept secret in the world. Mm. And I really am talented just if only people would just see it. <laughs> Not realizing that, well, they can't see it if they don't see me. <laughs> you would have added to your trophy wall of obscurity. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would have had the championship trophy. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have those first place ribbons, but they're they're all the ones that just sitting at home and they're saying, well, if everyone if they knew me, they would know that I'm worth the first place ribbon. I mean, we all have them in the you know in the the hall of fame in our own heads a lot of times, yeah. but we never really put it to work. You know, yeah. we saying yep. if they would just give me a chance instead of saying, hey, you know what, make one, make a chance, like you said, yeah, you know, sh- yep. you know, suit up. Uh, sh- uh, show up and shut up, or shut up, yep. suit up. What's your order? <laughs> shut well, up, suit I up, show up. I need to shut up at the end, apparently, because yeah, I yeah. tended to grumble too much. I think that's yeah. why. <laughs> but but that's the whole thing is just just go. I mean, you know, um, I'm a big. I'm working on several books, and you can be one of those people that push me to finish it. But I use a lot of children's uh, stories, and but it's kind of mm. like Cinderella, you know. Um, and, and this one's not in my book, but it's one I've considered to put in it, but just the whole story, just seeing her, it's like, you know, she didn't, she didn't focus on her condition. She went to the ball. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. She got over the fact that she didn't belong there Mm -hmm. and she went there. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't sit there and question the fact of, can she dance? She danced. Mm -hmm. She didn't sit there and wonder and ask anybody, how do I look? She felt, mm. she experienced, oh, you know, and, and I think we need more of that for ourselves, but you can't just hold the idea of it. You yeah. have to step out and act on it. You have to get into the coach that was once a pumpkin and take the mm-hmm. ride to the ball, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And isn't it interesting that it's called a coach and not a carriage? Yes. <laughs> the carriage is what holds the baby, but a coach is what gets you through from one place to the next. Uh-oh, Deb, I think you and I are going to have to put something together and <laughs> do some work together. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, don't. I'm not afraid to ask. I will suit up and show up and shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me ask you, um, how important is 
your inner circle on your journey? Oh, boy. I'll tell you, it's, it's funny. I, am, I, have a, I had a history up until I got involved with the John Maxwell team. I had a history of being a great lone wolf, like just an awesome lone wolf because I was smart enough to be a little bit dangerous but too stupid to realize I needed other people that I could bounce ideas off of. And, and sometimes I would go through the motions in the past. I would bounce ideas off of people, but they really would listen to what they told me anyway. And when John talked about really cultivating a strong inner circle for yourself, it, I, I wasn't comfortable with it, to be perfectly frank, because I had built a history on being very successful flying solo. And I said, you know what? He's a lot smarter than I am, and he's much more successful than I am. So he must be on to something. Let me try it. And I did. I created a new circle. It's five people. Uh, I bounced today. This is the same five people that I bounced ideas and strategies off of. I bounced some of my obstacles off of. I share with them some things that I really want to accomplish that they can help hold me accountable to the actions to help get them off the ground. And now... I not only do I embrace the inner circle piece, I am such an advocate of it because what it's done is it's taken the little bit that I could contribute on my own and now it's five exit, right? So now I have five times the brain power, five times the initiative, five times the persistence, five times the different perspective from different industries, people with different wirings that are helping me to see things from different points of view so that I can become better for myself for sure, but also for the clients that I serve. Wow. So you have a, a, there's an inner circle becomes a built-in magnification for you. Oh yeah. Great word. Yeah. Wow, that's that's very um, enlightening. I, that just I'm 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 writing that down because I'm like, wow, I, that's I I see clients and I talk with them in coaching situations, and you see them struggle um, with that whole concept of inner circle, and you see, you know, we all get uneasy when it comes to people. We get uneasy. Um, I recently had a, a a client that I was uh, doing a coaching session with, and I was asking them about the inner circle and getting them to think into it and speak into it a little bit, um, and let's see what we could. Discover, and what happened was one of those key areas was they felt like they would lose their ability to influence mm. if the person close to them really saw some of the things that were, you know, some of the things they weren't really good at. And mm-hmm. and I said, you need. Do you think it would be okay to give yourself permission to not be perfect? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. You know, and then allow those folks the opportunity to be imperfect with you as well. And and so to me, the the image is almost, you know, whether it's marriage or think about it, the office of the presidency is perfect. Then you put a person in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Marriage is perfect. Then you bring two people into it. <laughs> yeah, You know, exactly. all of the institutions in and of themselves are great. The inner circle idea and the institution is perfect. You add people and and the thing is, is we have to realize that that inner circle 
trust is supposed to be there, the closeness, the honesty, and we have magnetism. Yeah. Yeah. And and let me ask you, how that inner circle, how has it served you? Because I know that you, you know, we we both very well versed, I believe, in the twenty one irrefutable laws. That is the foundation of of even the John Mm -hmm. Maxwell team. That is the that is the foundation of everything. But that law Mm -hmm. of magnetism, you're going to attract people. And if you don't have the right inner circle, do you do you think but because you're attracting, you're out there, you're doing significant work, su- successful work, people become attracted to that. And if you don't have the right inner circle, um, would you not say that that you could be in some serious trouble? Oh, yeah. What you're you know, it's interesting when you were sharing about the inner circle and concerns that people had. Those are the same concerns I had. And mm. it really became important for me to be able to allow them to speak into my life and really to be able to magnify my own potential. I needed to trust them, first of all. I also needed to make sure that they had strengths that were complementary to mine. So they brought a different perspective than I had. And third, I needed people that were down the road a little further than I was. Because people that have already been down the road a little further than you aren't going to judge you. Your peers might judge you. Family might judge you. Even friends might judge you. But people that have walked the road that you're trying to walk on today, they have so much respect for what they've gone through. They tend to not be too judgmental about it because they're just like cheering you on thinking, come on, it's hard, but you can do it, baby. You can do it. Let me help you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times your friends, you know, I see it all the time. You see it with kids. I mean, we all did it when we were kids. You know, your friends will say, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. You know, kind of like, yeah, that got me in trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But you need people that aren't going to be impressed with you. It's, you know, I try to say to people, you need a Paul, a Barnabas and a Timothy in your life. You need, you need a a Paul in your life, right? That can help mentor you. You need, you need a Barnabas in your life. So he's not impressed by you. And you need, you need a Timothy in your life as well. So you can help him grow. And, and right. pour into him. And and so I love that. to tr- You need people you can trust. They have to complement your strengths. It needs to be complimentary, but they need to be further down the road. We need to stop going and speaking to people, getting that, you know, that, that you know, the Linus blanket effect. You know what I mean? Here, here's a yeah. blanket. <laughs> Hold this blanket tight all day. <laughs> you yeah. Know, and well, it's funny. When you. I wanted to leave my corporate job and I went to a couple of my peers and said, I just want to run something by you confidentially. I'm thinking of changing up my career. And I'm thinking of starting my own company, and I'm not really sure what I'm going to be doing yet. And they totally told me I was nuts. You should not. You know, why would you want to do this? You've been here 23 years. In another few years, you could be tired from here. You're a senior vice president. Why would you want to do that? That just makes no sense. That is illogical. So they were my peers, but they couldn't see the vision because they hadn't walked yet that vision. So I was wrong for going to them to ask their advice. I needed to go to somebody who was already an entrepreneur. When I did, who had made the leap, they were like, oh, my goodness, that'd be great. I, I want to talk to you about it. It's so good. It's, listen, there's rough parts, but maybe you can now dictate your own future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so for people that are listening who maybe they have the – the peer habit of just going to peers, what, what type of things should they look for in responses when they share that inner thing within themselves? Like what are, what are, what are things that you would say 
look for people who will say these types of things or challenge you this way or that way. What, what would you say would be uh, pieces of information that you would be willing to share that as a coach, even just as you, how you coach people, what should they be looking for? Great question, Tim. Really important question because how you how you discern whether or not someone could potentially be in your inner circle, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is our own discernment. What does my gut tell me? Is this somebody who tends to compete with me when we're speaking together? If they are, that's not a good inner circle person. Or is this somebody who when I share with them when I've stumbled in some way? or that I've, I've, I want to pursue something, but I'm a little reluctant, that they are, you, clearly they feel like they're an advocate of yours, that there's this sense of advocacy, that, they, that they're honored that you, you know, confided in them, and they'll be honest with you, but honest with you without tearing you down, uh, as, you know, for their own benefit. And a lot of that, Tim, comes from personal experience. You sort of you try somebody out a little, little piece and you see what their reaction is and what they do with it. And, and it doesn't mean that people are bad. It just means that they just haven't gotten to the level of awareness yet that allows them to be a great inner circle advocate for someone else. The discernment to me is really important and test the waters a little bit. Test it here and there and see. Excellent. Great answer. Great answer. When, when do you know there needs to be a necessary ending in a relationship? Maybe on your journey, you're going along and you know what? Not in a bitter way, not burning bridges, but when do you know it's a necessary ending? What are signs or things that you could share with folks that, you know, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're resisting you and, and, you know, they're not really concerned. For example, someone doesn't really ask you really what's going on inside of you. They just, you know, they say they want to be in your life, but they're just plucking along and then they're not really listening to you. So an example would be like, Hey, this person's not going to continue not hearing me, not recognizing my voice, not caring about my opinion. They probably aren't best for my journey. What are things that you have experienced or that you could share with folks to say, Hey, you might consider a necessary ending when or if. Mm, boy, that's a whole other topic. You know, Henry Cloud wrote a great <laughs> book called Necessary Endings. And right. uh, his other book, Boundaries and Leadership, is really important on that piece. Here's how I've used it. You know, there have been some, you know, um, professional relationships, some business relationships, and even some personal relationships that it was hard for me to see in the beginning that they really were mentally draining me. So let's look at personal relationships first. There was a dear friend I had worked with for years, lovely person, but very needy person. And I think in the beginning, I kind of felt like I was trying to be her encourager and, and, and help her, but I was more invested in her growth than she was. And when I realize that, you know, I'm putting in 150% effort and you're putting in 10%, I realize that I should, I should be adding value and sowing into the lives of people that are eager to grow. And if somebody's not ready to grow yet, that's okay. 
you know, my, 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 my sort of strain serve best when there's an eager participant on the other side. So that helped me to very quickly know that that was a relationship that, and maybe I wouldn't say I cut it off completely, but I distanced myself quite a, quite a bit, quite a bit. You know, we don't spend a lot of time together. The other thing, even on the professional side, you know, sometimes, especially in the business that you and I are in, Tim, it's very easy for people to become more competitive. Instead of thinking, how can we complete each other and add value to each other, people, because of the world kind of grooms us this way, people can at how can I compete with you? <laughs> and that, to me, is very, very draining of my energy because I'm a very generous person and, and I really look in a significant way to see how can I collaborate with you. Um, just today, I was in a business meeting with a client, and I'm coaching three senior executives of this business, three C-level executives. They're working with another consultant on a reorganization plan that they had had hired two years earlier, okay? And uh, so they, you know, they told me, you know, we're a few minutes into our coaching, and, and uh, the CEO shared with me, yeah, I forgot to mention to you, you know, but working with this other consultant, I was like, that's awesome. So I'd love to meet him someday. Let me know when he's in town. So he said, well, I'll at least set up a phone call for us. Fantastic. So we set up a phone call. He and I have talked a couple of times. We're, we're now going to combine our efforts on their um, falls when they sit down to do their strategic plan for the next three years. And he and I are both going to co-work that, that retreat with them so that this way we come at it from two different angles. So when we learn how to complete each other rather than compete each other in business, it works. When somebody is in competition with you, then that's not a healthy relationship. You might think it helps drive you forward, but it actually will drive you nuts if you go into it for too long. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it breeds, and it'll breed jealousy and envy and oh, strife, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And then stuff. you find yourself hiding things that you never want to be in a position like that, you know? Right. And then the right. third thing is sometimes with customer relationships, there has to be a necessary ending. I had a right. client of mine two years ago that I worked at a very, very, very large company that working with that company took more energy that there was not enough money in the world they could pay me to go through the hoops that needed to be gone through to continue to work with them, that it became such a bureaucracy. And even though I had challenged them to some degree about their structure and decision-making in the company, it really became a bottleneck. And, you know, responsibility was not being passed down through the organization, so that it really wasn't moving in the right direction. And I, I was very honest with the owner of the company. I said, in fairness to you and me, I'm not able to serve your company really well. Because the way the company's structured, until that structure changes, until the decision-making changes and the lotus of control, there's very little influence that the organization can make without that shift. So I'd be, I'd be taking your money for nothing, and I don't want to do that. My integrity wouldn't let me do that. So that was a necessary ending. It was the best thing for both that company and myself at that point because I wasn't able to add the value that they really could mine well. And they weren't ready to make the changes to allow that to happen. You know how many people, Deb, I hear say that? They go, you don't understand. I have bills to pay. And I say to myself, where's the vision? Where's the? Where's your character? Where's your integrity? Yeah. What would you, I mean, what do you say to that? You know, character is that thing 
when it really shows up in the dark when no one's looking, right? So it's doing the right thing even if no one else knows about it. And especially if you take the hit for it, you know, right? If you have to take the financial hit, you know, that was a big decision for me to some degree financially, but it was a no-brainer for me from an integrity standpoint Mm. because I could get business and it may not be exactly what I want, when I want, for how much I want, but I knew I could find another client, but I couldn't reclaim my, my integrity if I broke it. And I'd rather go deliver pizzas on the side if I had to while I was building something else so I could remain in integrity and still feed my family than to break my integrity because that's something money can't buy back. That is so good because, you know, we, I think even in the personal growth industry where we are and we coach people and we believe in that and we believe you should be going after the things that you want. You know, a a very good leader knows what they want. They know who they are and they know what they want. They don't want to just take what they can. They they want to do the things that they want in their life. And they make decisions based on that. But I love how you said, but when it comes to your integrity and in your character, that money means nothing. You'll go do something else, even if it's not what you want. Because okay. you can't, you cannot, you can go get money. You can go get clients. But once you lose integrity, once you lose character, that is almost an insurmountable hill. Absolutely. And it's who you become in that process that makes all the difference in the world. What's the history of your future? What would it say in five years if I run into you in the airport? What are some things you want to throw out there for the listeners to hear? The the, the thing for me, I'm working strategically. You know, know, there are seasons in our life. So the season of life that I'm in now, my husband and I are blessed with one daughter who got married last year and her and her husband live two miles away from us and we get to see them all the time and we know that within five years we'll more than likely be grandparents and I'm a very young person if it's going to be 59 this year. I'm a very active person. I'm flying all around the country, you know, serving clients. So one of the strategies that I'm putting in place is I'm actually launching next week a whole digital product suite of online trainings so that small and medium-sized businesses that can't afford to pay the big bucks to have me come in can actually still utilize my training programs in very short, quick-hit videos. They literally sit in the conference room and press play. So that that piece for me will be a significant chunk of my revenue because I'm really looking to pivot my revenue sources from in-person um, to, to more of that. The other thing, Tim, is that you're going to find that five years from today, I'm actually spending more of my time coaching other people on what it is that I do today. So really trying to do that knowledge transfer for other folks that are in the same space because I've been able to, not by the fact that I'm very smart, but I have, I've surrounded myself with very smart people, found methods, of creating content, of executing, of selling, of just being able to be in this space and be pretty successful at it. So I'd imagine five years from today, I'd be more like a professor, you know, uh, not really yeah, that college, there you go. you know, you get what I mean. Maybe I'll be like Yoda, except I won't be green. Where would you send folks to find you? Where can they find you? What, you know, LinkedIn, what's your favorite place to send folks if they want to learn more about you and the services you have to offer and the things that you just to keep up with you and to connect with you? 
Oh, that's great. Thanks for asking. Well, LinkedIn is, of course, an easy one. So um, it's Deb, D-E-B-I-N-G-I-N-O. Or they can just go to my website, which is strengthleader.com. And I love that name too, strengthleader.com. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank Um, you. That is so great. Well, Deb, this has been an amazing conversation for me. And you Tim, you're really a generous was... host, boy. I just <laughs> love being in your space. You ask amazing questions. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And um, I, I'm just honored. So, um, and, and so for the listeners out there, remember your current condition cannot match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. And I know that you can do more, be more, and have more. So continue on your way and myself and Deb and all of us who are believing for you will see you all on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you would like to hear more, subscribe to the show. Go to UphillConversations.co. Later on, Ski.